Welcome everyone to the L7C Podcast MMA Edition. Today we're going to be going around the world of mixed martial arts with our MMA expert, Mr. Chuck Marlowe. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Um, it's a great day. Birthday's coming up here soon. Mm. Life is swell. Fighting has been amazing lately. So Awesome, awesome. That is great to hear. So like we said, we're going to just be diving into a whole bunch of topics, uh, recapping some big fights that have happened, previewing uh, some stuff coming up, and some news that has happened since our last UFC pod. Uh, first thing, Chuck, I want to get the UFC side of this, because we got the wrestling side on our WrestleMania review. Since you your last episode, we had the uh, UFC and WWE are going to be under one company now uh, with Endeavor. So. They have their whole restructuring. They're both going to be there. It's going to be a $21 billion conglomerate that's going to host two of the biggest like companies in their quote-unquote combat and televised combat in the world. So, Chuck, what was your reaction to this merger? That caught, It just completely caught me off guard. I mean, I knew there was something with at least the UFC side, and I knew there was something with the WWE with like selling the businesses and their companies. Mm-hmm. And just with how those things were going, I knew something was going to happen eventually with the UFC. But I didn't know it was going to come that soon. And it just kind of smacked me out of nowhere. It was something I just completely caught off guard. Um, and I was just like, wow, okay, this where is this going to take this? I kind of mm-hmm. was just, this going to take the UFC? And then also, what, is that, what does that mean for the fighters? What does this mean for everyone? moving forward and i was kind of like is this going to make things more scripted and more mm. and have crossovers where you're going to have your wrestlers trying to do ufc and you're going to have your ufc fighters trying to do wrestling because i mean we've seen it happen so many times before i mean look at brock lesnar as an example cm punk um dave batista mm-hmm. You have so many different fighters where they do that. And it's just like, so I'm, I'm interested to see how that part plays out. I'm interested to see how that plays out in management styles. And um, what's that mean for certain people like Dana White? Um, what does that mean for how fights are going to be scheduled, how things are going to go moving forward? What does this mean for the UFC's platform? Yeah, you brought up a lot of good points and some questions I actually really wanted to ask you on this. So. Currently under the structuring, like Vince McMahon's gonna be the whole the whole the whole company doesn't have a new name yet, but it's gonna be the executive chairman. Dana Mike Dana White's gonna still remain president of UFC. Nick Khan, uh, president of WWE, and then Air Emanuel, the Endeavor CEO, will oversee everything. So in theory, Vince is technically Dana's boss, yeah. but I don't think he's gonna really dive into the UFC thing. But one of the things you really said about like is obviously like WWE, they're script, they're scripted results. Like you know, like they know who's gonna win. We find out when we watch it. And you brought up with the UFC stuff. Are there gonna be some people now starting to like question UFC fights? Like now that they, like, how do you feel about that? I mean, it was something that was already up in the air, being questioned too. Okay. So it only makes me wonder if it's gonna that, and that's just gonna bring more questioning into mm-hmm. it. It's, Make the once you already have doubt, it just brings in more validity to the doubt. Once you start adding in that scripting aspect, or if you bring it anywhere near it, so it's Mm -hmm. going to, I think, a little bit, and people are going to start having some doubts and having some questions about how things are, especially when you have certain fighters who put on, like when you have people like Henry Cejudo who are so cringy of a trash talker and a fight pipe builder that he just does some of the most out-of-pocket stuff where it seems almost fake and it seems scripted. And so it's just going to definitely make things seem a little bit more fishy than what they've seen before. Yeah, because I feel like that's going to be one of the big, big questions when all this stuff gets finalized, because you just said with that, what if someone from WWE is like, hey, your promo game needs work. Let me write some promos for you. <laughs> like, What if we start getting into that? Like your fights aren't selling. You really want to make some money? I can show you how to talk your way around. Like, and it's just gonna make people just not them genuine, their genuine selves. And that's what I like about the UFC. I mean, 
fighters are fighters. You have your quiet fighters who just don't, they're here to show up, get paid, fight, and be the best. Or you have your fighters who like, I want to talk some trash. I want to stir up some, stir up the pot a little bit. I want some controversy. I like talking my talk while I walk the walk. So, but then you have your people who are just trying to do this so that way they can build more hype for their money. And it's just, so it's just a lot of different aspects that are going to play into it now. Yeah. Cause like you said, and all the other people who follow us up, this Endeavor thing literally came out of nowhere. I wonder if the Endeavor like CEO told Dana, like, Hey, we're going to, merch with wwe are you like okay with this or like i wonder how much in behind the scenes was dana who's a big you obviously he's the ufc guy like was told about this yeah i don't know that's and that's where you start questioning how things are going to play out because i mean he's i mean yes he always was the boss pretty much with the ufc and they the ceo really pretty much let dana do his thing and run the whole show but now it's kind of like all right, are they going to let him run his, run the show anymore? If Dana does something where he smacks up his wife again, are they going to let that slide? Or, like, how are things going to play out? There's a lot of different things. And, I mean, I've heard some rumors from some people working at ESPN. Um, they're already, they've been trying to get Dana out of there before, so uh, there could be more reasons trying to get Dana out now. So, uh, Yeah, man, it's crazy. You had Dana who hit his wife, literally, when we talked about that. Then you had Vince where we fall on the wrestling side, fall that whole scandal and all that. And now they're just only now they're back. Vince is an executive chair and wiggled his way in there. Dana's still president. And Chuck, what about the rumor of them trying to add boxing to their conglomerate? How do you think that's even possible? I don't because I mean, I think it's possible. Anything's always possible, but the only thing is when you have that scripted element, Mm-hmm. boxing over especially with youtube boxing and the, the whole celebrity fighting and stuff that's going on so big right now that's probably going to get pulled into it and then you have boxers like real boxers are going to maybe get pulled into it and then it's just it's just going to make people question things so much more and it just taints everything i feel like in some type of way where people are going to question a lot of the validity of it when they're just going to kind of get uninterested in it so i get scared that that scripted aspect gets pulled into everything and people are going to start being like, well, I don't want to watch this because this is fake. This is scripted. Mm. I mean, same thing about the NBA and the NFL and they still go back and watch every day. So maybe it will bring in more people. Maybe it will bring in some things that people weren't going to see before. It's just, it's just something we're going to have to wait and see and just fill out. Um, I'm just interested to see where it goes and see if they take it to a new level. But on, it's going to be something we're definitely going to have to pay attention. And then when it's fully, fully officially done and they have their new name, definitely got to combine and get your get you with the wrestling people on the pod, like a Jacob Byer and Justin, and really talk about what we see going forward, what we want from this and how we can change things going forward. So, Chuck, there was a big fight that has happened. Uh, UFC 2, 287. We'll just go right from the main event, Adesanya versus uh, Pereira. Obviously, Alex has had uh, Israel's number throughout. And this fight, it, it, it did not end the way I thought it was going to end. Chuck, what happened in this fight when you were watching it? Were you shocked at all at Adesanya winning? I was shocked. I was shocked in the way he won. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean... Like I said, I don't think I was ever. Sh- I mean, I don't know. This, this, I, I had so many different feelings going into it. I obviously thought Alex was going to win because Alex just has dominated him three times, and he's beat times. And you just think, okay, he's already done it three times. Why would he not do it again? He's knocked him out twice, so why wouldn't he not do it again? And I think I was just more shocked the way it happened. Alex had, was pushing forward, being the aggressor, had him up against the cage. And Adesanya just kind of ate that shot from him and said, you know what, that, is, that ain't nothing. I'm, and he threw his shot and he caught him. And it, it's just the way it happened, the way he fell and the way he got his get back and the celebration and all the antics and stuff afterward. It was that's what just caught me so off guard because. I mean, I get what it means to Adesanya to lose to someone three times and win because the, the stuff that, like I said, you see what happened uh, with Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. Mm-hmm. 
fighter loses and they lose that confidence and they lose to someone once, it does something with their confidence. I don't think we got the review 286, but I'm going to pull that into here real quick because what happened with Usman against Edwards, when a fighter loses to a fighter, there's Fighters have this psyche when they walk around that they're the shit. They can beat anybody. They can win any fight. Like, I'm better than this guy until they get in that ring and they actually fight that person. And then it, a loss is what defines a person. Because when you lose, it does something to your confidence on how you fight that next fight. Usman was a very aggressive fighter, always shot after his takedowns, always set up takedowns a different way. And he used his a little bit of his striking and pressing forward and his aggressiveness to set up his ground game and do to shoot for takedowns. And in his second fight against Leon, he was hesitant. He wasn't shooting for as many takedowns. Leon's takedown defense was superb against Kamara. He wasn't as aggressive for going for those takedowns as he usually is. And it just showed that his confidence was shot because Leon, like, he got to him with that kick. That that does something to your psyche when you get knocked out cold. And so for Adesanya, who's been knocked out twice by Perea and lost to him three times in total, his confidence is like, man, this guy is just better than me. Like his striking is better than me. And to have that confidence to pull that out and get that win is just tremendous, especially when you lose to someone three times. Like if you see an NBA team go down 3-0, I'm not saying he came back and he won the world, like he won a championship and he mm-hmm. had four three, but he won one and he won one of those games. And it just does a little bit something for that confidence for that team. It's like, all right, maybe we can maybe come back. Maybe we'll do something. But honestly, I think Alex is still the better fighter. But you got to think this was Alex, what, seventh MMA fight, something like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, his seventh MMA fight. So. For him to already have the title in his sixth fight and, I mean, lose it to someone who was already a champion for a while and someone who's been doing MMA for, like, 20-something-plus fights, it speaks to Alex's game. Alex has time. Alex can also get better and improve over time. So I want to see what that, how that pans out for him, what that does for his psyche, because now he's the one who got knocked out. And obviously there will be a rematch that happens, but they don't want I know the UFC doesn't want to kind of do it like super quick and like go jump right back into it because they've been doing that too much lately. And then also like no one wants to see a trilogy immediately. They want to see what he can do because he are, he's like I said, he only had six MMA fights. So they want to see what more he can do a little bit. Right. I was going to ask about that potential rematch because you're saying it's going to happen, but I thought there was talks about Alex moving up in weight. Yeah, so what most people don't know, Alex walks around at about 220, 240, like 230. Like, he's a big guy. Like, mm-hmm. most people can't. And that's why his knockout power is ridiculous, because he's dense. Like, I was, I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. They were talking about how, like, much weight. It's like, this man looks huge and, like, inflated. Like, he walks around, like, at 240 when it comes to fight day. He cuts so much weight to get down and fight at middleweight. And, like, you're talking about cutting about, what, 45, 50 pounds? And, like, if he goes up, this man will be a monster. I mean, you got to think about the fighters like John Jones, um, someone with his type of stature. He would be, like, a John Jones stature type of fighter if he goes up to light heavyweight or wherever he goes up to. I think he'll probably go up to light heavyweight and fight around 205 because that's a more comfortable weight cut. And I imagine his power at 205. And imagine, like, what his power would be like if he was fighting against bigger fighters. So I think he's just going to gamble around, diddle around a little bit, get his fillers out in the UFC, move up to light heavyweight, fight some contenders, um, get a little bit better, maybe go up for that championship against Jamal Hill eventually. And then once he gets that belt, you can see that rematch being played out against Adesanya to go for a double belt or something like that. Do you think the rematch is going to be both of their next fights, or they're going to do? Are they each going to fight someone else before a rematch? Going to fight many people before the next fight. I don't think we'll see it within the next fight or two. We'll see it probably within the next four or so fights. I don't think it's something that happens immediately. The way that Adesanya is riding this hype too is just like I'm the champ now. Like 
I don't I kind of don't like how he's writing it because like you lost to this man three times. You I get it. It's great to get your get back. You have the confidence on a whole nother level, but he's talking shit like he's just so much more better than him, even though he's lost to him three times to his one. It's just that I think it's a little bit corny in that sense and it's a little bit played out. But I respect the confidence. And I think that the, the, that fight doesn't happen maybe for like three or four fights down. Like I said, I think Perea maybe goes for that light heavyweight title. And then once that light heavyweight title is his, he tries to go for a double champ status. So that way it, it plays into the hype a little bit more. You get people who want to buy into it so much more because it's like, ah, this is a double champ. Like it's another thing like Connor, like DC, like, this is something we want to go and like all see. So I don't know. It's something everyone likes the double champ status because it makes them feel more valid at both weight classes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, going back then, because I was checking, because we did preview, we did talk about Edwards and uh, Usman. We just never talked about the result. And obviously, Leon Edwards, he won that fight. Where does Usman go from here now? I know he's going to be radio silent a little bit. Where does he go? I mean, I think Usman has to go back to the drawing board. It's I don't think he's done with the UFC. He wants to spend some time with his family, with his daughter. I mean, you got to think he held the belt for about three years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, took the belt from Tyron Woodley, who also held the belt for about three years or so. He had one of the most dominant runs with the title ever. I think he beat GSP's or got close to beating GSP's record. Uh, record and then he lost to Leon Edwards when he was about to break the record um, for the longest title streak of defending the title. So like he's had one of the most dominant title runs. So we're not going to question his greatness. I think his greatness is already kind of like if you look at the numbers, it's it's solidified right there. I think we're just going to see what he does moving forward. I think he takes some time off, spend times with his daughter and his family. He revisits whether he wants to go through that whole that whole division again. I mean, you got to think he's been through that division about two or three times. So does he want to run through the same people two or three times, or does he want to move up a weight, move down in weight? I don't think he can really move down much, but maybe he moves up in weight and he goes and fights some other fighters. Um, get some like new, get some new people to go against. I think you might want to revisit some things and you might want to just see how it goes against other fighters. And if he can, do it at a different weight division. Maybe he'll come back and revisit going for that title at welterweight and going against Leon Edwards. If Leon Edwards Eastman has the belt at that time, um, there's a lot of other people trying to come out for that belt and a lot of other people in that welterweight division. There's some new faces. And so maybe he goes and fights those new faces. I don't know. It's just something he has to fill out and talk to his team and see what he wants to do moving forward. If he wants to keep it and keep it fresh and or he wants to keep it the same and go in the same division or if he wants to try something fresh and try something new and revisit just because he has to try and get that confidence back mm-hmm. um and then leon already i believe does leon already have a contender uh colby covington yeah because i remember we we hit into that like how did uh how the hell did he become the number one contender yeah um Dana White privilege, as they call it. Yeah. yeah. That's his boy. That's his MAGA boy. Um, they're boys within Trump. I mean, Covington, do I think he deserves it? Everyone talks about the two and a half years off. Leon Edward had two and a half years off or two years off. But, I mean, Leon Edwards kind of stayed active and he fought other fighters. He fought Nate Diaz. He didn't go immediately for a title shot um, when he came back. So you can kind of go like, uh, he did some other stuff and he was active. As to where Kobe, he hasn't been active at all. So I don't know. I don't think he's super deserving of it. I say you put him up against another one number, like another number one contender or someone who's a number two contender, apparently, whoever that's supposed to be. Like uh, put him up against, um, I think what, Kamzat? It was, yeah, like put him up against Kamzat Chemaev, or maybe put him against Kamara Usman again and see how he does against Kamara because, I mean, that's someone he's never been able to get past. So if he's not getting past Kamara, what makes you think he's going to get past Leon? 
put him up against Bilal Muhammad or Gilbert Burns or there's so many different people you could put him up against. We haven't seen him fight ever since fighting uh, Kamara and losing to him twice. So I think that's where a lot of people have a lot of anger. And then having that two years off, it's just like, what the hell has he done in the past two years other than sit on his ass and then lose twice to Kamara Usman? So I get everyone's anger towards that. And I get Leon's Edwards um, anger towards that as well. So we we should see what they can do in order to. I I, I really agree with it a hundred percent. But Colby is apparently the number one contender for it, and we'll see what plays out with that. I don't think I think I don't think that he he beats Leon. Honestly, if you can't beat Kamara, you're probably not beating Leon unless you did something in that two years that we don't know about, which could have been PEDs. We'll see. Speaking of someone, potentially, since you made the connections, there's another person who's in the uh, Dana White camp who got a retirement match and lost. Um, Jorge uh, Masada, he lost. And then he had his big speech talking about, he also he lost to Gilbert Burns, number three rank, and talking about he lives in the greatest country, yada, 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 which is fine. But then, of course... UFC has been in this double standard light where, like you've said, the people who kind of align with Dana's thoughts are allowed to speak their politics and all that stuff, and others may not. I'm even seeing how UFC superstar Jorge Mazadov shares why he's not afraid to talk politics in the octagon. This is from Fox News, but if it was someone else who may not agree with their politics, they would have been like, eh, you should stick to fighting or the... uh Classic shut up and dribble. And obviously this UFC fight was big because former president Donald Trump was there. Like he was there. There was a lot of people at this fight. He was obviously the biggest person there watching. And Jorge said, yeah, I got to shout him out because he's there. All that jazz called him the greatest president of all time. What were your thoughts on if you don't have any like his thoughts on the speech and like his career? Did he even achieve like I, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, is he? No. Or is Dana going to put him in because he's one of his boys? I don't see. This is the thing. I don't know about if Jorge's necessarily. He's never held the belt. Yeah. That's when that's where I start getting. To, that's where I get to my standards for who gets in and who doesn't. He's never held the belt. But if you think about Jorge's upbringing, he came from Kimbo Slice backyard days, backyard street beefs, like backyard brawling, backyard fighting in Dade County, Miami, Florida. like, And that's how he got his come up into the fight game. And that's how he got to the UFC. And then he got into the UFC and he's just been grinding ever since. He's done a lot of different fights, a lot of different people. But he's never held the belt. That's where we always get down to. So I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think his upcoming and his bring, like his story is something of, of legend. But if he would have gotten the belt, that would have solidified him. If he would have held the belt even for one fight, that would have solidified him in the Hall of Fame just because of his upbringing and all of the fights he's put on and all of the history, having the fastest knockout in UFC history. Like, all of that would have solidified him. But he's never held the belt, so I don't think he gets in. As for his speech, I think it was kind of corny. I think it just messed up. I mean, like, it's your retirement. It should be focused on you. I mean, I, I mean, I guess if that's your viewpoint and that's your opinions and stuff like that, then go ahead, portray it. I mean, I'm all for it. Um, I have my own political opinions and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily 100% disagree, but I don't also 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that he just kind of like, it was just corny. Like, you're. this is about you. This is about your last moment in the UFC. This is about your history, your career, how you came up. Like, I would have, if I was him, I'd have been like, from coming back to like fighting in the backyard brawl days, you're coming up to here now in the UFC, fighting for millions of dollars, and this, that, the other, and just my upbringing and the way I've been able to solidify stuff for my family, the people who've been in my corner, this, that, the other. I would have been driving all of that stuff home, but he just kind of drove it towards something more political, which I thought was just like, really, like, and you lost too. You also lost your retirement fight. Like, I don't know. I want to go out with the win. Fair enough. Yeah, fair. Definitely. I 
Well said. Well said on that. So, yeah, he loses in the quote-unquote co-main event. And then uh, performance of the night went to Rob Font. It was nice in round one. I mean, he's it was well-deserved. Yeah, no. Um, Rob Font put on a damn show. I was, I mean, I thought Adrian Yanez was going to come out and put on a little bit more of a fight, but Rob Font showed that he's coming in that bantamweight division. He's got, that damn bantamweight division is so damn loaded. Like, I mean, when you take a look at that bantamweight division, you have like so many fighters. You have Aljamain Sterling, Marab uh, Dibashili, Sean O'Malley, Corey Sanahagen, Peter Yan. Uh, Marlon Chito Vera, Rob Font, Dominic Cruz, Song Nadong, Pedro Munez, uh, Munoz, Ricky Simone, uh, Umar Numarga uh, Medoff. Jeez, I have to say that slower. Adrian Yanez, Jonathan Martinez, Chris Gutierrez, Saeed uh, Nurmagedov also. Like, you just have so many fighters in that bantamweight division. Any of those fighters could fight for the title right now. And it's just like, like it's just like that belt could get passed along everyone in that I just listed off, and so Yanez I thought would have made it more competitive, but Rob Font showed okay yeah I'm on another tier I'm a little I'm definitely a step up from you, and I think that I should I like he's solidifying a case for potentially fighting for the belt sometime soon. Before because I want to end on UFC two eighty eight and we could preview that but just want to go around some other news and all of that francis and ganu uh, fellow uh cameronian to me uh his asking price way way too much um we've seen it but now we have floyd mayweather talking about how he might want to take francis under his ring a wing uh teach him how to really box could potentially be huge for boxing uh get him in the heavyweight make some noise what are your thoughts on Francis still currently, I mean, doesn't have a job, and Floyd talking about, oh, maybe I could, I'd love to work with him. Like, what are your thoughts on that? He should take that. Okay. He should, I mean, what Floyd's called TM, TM, TMT, mm-hmm. the money, Floyd, Floyd Money Mayweather, a man who's knowing about making money. Your asking price is way too high for the UFC. It's too high for Bare Knuckle Fight um, Fight Club. It's too high for pretty much anybody. And you're backing yourself into a corner right now, backing yourself into a wall. That's a good handout coming to you. The mm-hmm. amount of you're asking for from all these different people, Floyd, if he's just feeling generous, can give you that money. I ain't going to say Floyd's just going to give it to you to give it to you because he's a businessman and he's smart about his money and he's going to want some return on interest for sure. But I say you take that lesson, you take those lessons from him. I mean, look at Gervonta Tank Davis, someone who just won last night, yeah, who was taken under Floyd Mayweather's wing. And look how much money he's making. Look how the, how he's fighting. He's 29-0 and 0 now, 27 knockouts. Listen to the man, Floyd Mayweather. I would take that offer. If you're serious about going into boxing or some other type of combat sport where you can make a lot of money, because if you look at boxing, boxers make a lot of fucking money yeah. compared to UFC fighters and compared to Bare Knuckle Fight Club and everything else, and one of the best promotional aspects of Floyd Money Mayweather and MGM Grand Arena you should listen and take that opportunity, learn under his wing, become a better striker. You already have the fucking power. The power is there. You don't need anything else but just skill and training and just take that time to learn under him and his father and all those other fighters in that corner. And you will probably be one of the best heavyweights ever, potentially one of the best ever. And you're talking about like another Mike Tyson situation. Because, I mean, the power is greater than Mike Tyson's. We all know this. Like, that man touches you and you are going down. So, and then potentially, if you want, maybe you go back and you cross over into the UFC one time and go against a fighter after you have that striking ability and you have that knowledge and you can fight that man you've been talking shit to so much with. Yeah, because he's got to do something because I know he's made some money in the UFC, but 
It's not enough that he's still a relatively young human being. It's not going to last him forever. So he needs to work again. I mean, he's only 36 years old. Like, you plan on, hopefully, living for 50-something more years. The money you made now ain't going to last that long because you're not working. And you're probably spending it up. So, like, if you're comfortable and you have a certain lifestyle, you're getting a fixed, like fixed to and something that you want. And if you're chasing these pretty high numbers, which means you probably want or need some type of money to continue on whatever you're trying to plan, then you need to take that advice and listen. Yep. Agree on that. Agree on that. And hopefully you do go back to UFC. I would love to see a John's own thing, but I do feel like he obviously you're trying to get as much money as possible, but you got to be realistic. And I feel like he's not being realistic. I feel like his camp's not being realistic and that's enduring both him in UFC, because he can make big money in a John Jones and Ganu mega fight. The only thing about that, is, though, is if he does will take too much time, my fear is by then John Jones is going to be retired because John Jones is already talking about trying to do a retirement fight in New York against Stipe. Mm. That's where I get kind of like, well, John Jones might be gone by then. You're going to miss your window for even more money. Fair enough, fair enough. Another big fight that's been announced since we have uh, last book, UFC. UFC all the way, June 10th, 289. Amanda Nunes, Julia Pena. This is round three. This is the final fight. Like, this is exciting because it's been a while since we've seen um, Amanda fight. And obviously, Julia, who had the upset of one of the upsets of the century with her winning. It's round three. We're definitely going to preview that later on. but. Just want to say this match is announced. This is going to be Jan- June 10th in Vancouver, uh, Canada. Chuck, And that is the main event of 289. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, can't wait to see the double champ back. The Lioness on the prowl. Yeah, so that is, that is really good on that. Then before we get to 289, another thing, another legend. Khabib, uh, he had his list of UFC basically goats. Uh, the MMA GOAT Top 15, I'll post it in our description box so we won't go all the way through it. But, I mean, his starting off was like Dominic Cruz slash Frankie Agar was 15. Then you go all the way to 1, and he had Fedor and John Jones. If you're looking for other notable names, uh, GSP uh, is 2, Silva 3, Demetrius Johnson 4, Cormier 5. Just reading off some names people would know. Jose Aldo was like seven. Usman, eight. Adesanya, nine. Uh, and then again, he had like Cain Velasquez. Randy Couture, Cain Velasquez were tied for 12. So, if Chuck, what did your... my? I have a... And Stipe was like 14. My thoughts on this list, I don't know how serious he was, but I'm just going to take him for what he was saying. He was serious. No, um... What about the female goat? Like, why is it like Amanda on here or something? See, and that I when you said it just now, I didn't even think of it at first until you <laughs> said, like, you know what? He did just leave her off, and that's someone who definitely needs to be on that list. In theory, of- you got to put Ronda potential, like at least consideration for what, like, how she brought it more mainstream women wise. Yeah, I agree with the aspect of her bringing it more mainstream wise. But the also the downhillness of her career kind of was where yeah. people kind of start questioning the validity of her in the top fifteen. Where if you're starting to talk about top fifteen female fighters, definitely Amanda Nunes. Uh, top top fifteen goat fighters of all time. Amanda Nunes is obviously going to be there mm-hmm. because just the dominance level and the fighters that she's beat on that list with no problems. Because um, I mean, if you put Amanda versus Ronda, Ronda would get ragdolled. I feel like without mm-hmm. a without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, um, we've seen that fight happen. Team <laughs> what Holly Holm has done, and team what other fighters have done, surrounded towards that downhill career um, ending aspect. But I definitely say, I don't know, Khabib probably wasn't putting any thought into that at the time, potentially, potentially. But also, I think Khabib was only thinking from who would fight against him aspect. Like, he was thinking just male-minded. He was thinking male-forward. Mm. He was thinking as to where probably, oh, yeah, Amanda Nunes, she's probably one of the top 10 fighters on the GOAT list. So 
That was I did find that interesting, and I, he didn't put himself or Conor McGregor. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised he didn't put himself just to be like humble and all that stuff. But you're you're right with the Conor thing. I I know their hate runs deep, but I would think that he would put that aside because like I feel like Chuck, that'd be an episode for you, like taking Khabib's list and how different your list would be from Khabib's. Yeah, my list would be different. Mine would be bi- a little bit biased, though. Mine would be mm-hmm. based off fighters that I love and enjoy to watch. Mm-hmm. Someone who definitely doesn't deserve to be on a top 15 list would be Steven Wonderboy Thompson. But that's someone who I love so much, I would maybe even potentially put him in there just because of biasness. He doesn't. He definitely doesn't even deserve to be in the top 20. But mm-hmm. I, so much as a fighter, I would maybe put him close to there. But no. I I would be honest and I would actually put some thought into my list and I would actually if I was going to do like a concise like based off of fights, records, um title defenses, um and just title runs and overall just greatness in the UFC, I would have a pretty I'd have a I wouldn't say it would be completely different list, but it'd be somewhat different. Yeah, maybe that's something we do later on down the road, maybe an end of year thing, get Chuck's like top 15. Uh, someone who is on Khabib's, who is number six, Henry uh, Seduto, he is in the main event of UFC 288, which is going to be coming up this May 6th, 10 o'clock. It's going to be in the Prudential Center, Newark, United States. He's in the main event. He is going against Sterling, who's the champ. Currently, it looks like UFC also has Henry at minus 115 and Sterling at minus 105, which is a very close match. What are you thinking is going to happen here? Like, do you have Henry, like, taking the title back? Or what do you think is going to happen? This one is a very, very, very tricky one for me. Just because the styles of both of these fighters. Like I said, the bantamweight division is loaded with a bunch of great fighters. It just I really don't know how this one plays out because you have two pretty much, I wouldn't say they're completely the same style-wise, but they're pretty much close to the same style-wise. Both of these fighters are wrestlers. They like to grapple. They like to get on the ground. And I think whoever wins this fight has the better striking. And if I'm looking at striking, I'm going to kind of look a little bit and lean towards Aljermaine Sterling just based off of the fact he has the reach advantage. And I don't know how if Henry Cejudo can really play good into the reach advantage or like when it comes to striking. Like, you have 51% striking accuracy to Henry Cejudo. Yeah, Henry Cejudo is 46. Um, I think it's not that much off on the um, significant strike um, landed, which is like four points. Actually, it's a little bit off. It's uh, 4.70 to like 3.92 significant strikes per minute. Um, the takedown averages for both of them per 15 minutes, Aljermaine's two, and then Henry Cejudo's is 2.12. The significant strikes absorbed. This is what I look at right here. Um, it's 2.77 per minute for Henry Cejudo, and it's 2.18 per minute for uh, Aljermaine Sterling. So the strike defense is way higher, actually, by 4%, I think 65 to 61 for uh, Cejudo in advantage. And the takedown defense is higher for Cejudo, 93%, to where um, Aljermaine Sterling's is 41%. But what Aljermaine Sterling likes to do is when he gets on the ground, he likes to get on your back. He likes to pick on the human backpack because he likes to just ride people's backs. And so I, I just very curious to how that plays out because it's just too, it's too weird. I wouldn't say it's too weird style styles of fighting. It's just, you have wrestling and you have grappling and I just, I don't know. I, I want to say Al wins just based off of 
he can probably be the better striker. If he can be the better striker and be better in the grappling realm, again, with his wrestling against Henry, then I think he wins overall. Oh, fair enough. Chuck, I also see that Gilbert Burns is on here. Didn't he just fight at the last UFC fight? Yeah, Gilbert Burns said no days off. He said, I'm trying to go get me a belt. He wow. said, I want Wow, you think he can win this one? Now, that's where we get to a questionable thing. Uh, <laughs> Bob Muhammad is no scrub. When you're talking about someone who trains with Khabib and his camp um, out there in Dagestan, Russia, this man took time away from his family. He's moved his whole way of just thinking, and he's moved to Dagestan to train with Khabib and all of them for so long. And I'm curious to see how that plays out. I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Gilbert Burns. Their records are not pretty far off. I mean, 22 and five versus 22 and three. Bilal Muhammad only has two less fights than him. Um, he's coming off a win. Gilbert's coming off a win. Um, you have a slight reach advantage to Bilal, but when you start looking at it, it's just a stylistic matchup. And you have some Brazilian jiu-jitsu from Gilbert Burns. If he can get off some of his submissions and make it a little bit tricky for Bilal when Bilal wrestles him some, because I think Bilal is going to definitely bring out a lot more wrestling now that he's been training with the Dagestanians, um, and he's trying to w- well round out his game. I I, I, I say Bilal, may, I think Bilal wins. Okay. I think Bilal is man. I say decision. I don't think there's really any knockout in this fight. I think it goes to the judges' scorecards. I think Bilal pulls it out. What fight should the casual UFC fan on this card be like, oh, like what fight if you had to recommend one that people may be sleeping on? And she'd be like, oh, you should definitely tune into this fight on the UFC 288 card that's coming up uh, the first weekend of May. Oh, I got two really, uh, two sleeper ones. I mean, not really sleepers because they're both on the main card. But my number one watch out for is Mavzarev. Evlov and um, Bryce Mitchell. Uh, I love Bryce Mitchell as a fighter. I mean, he's the first one to get the UFC to get the camo trunks. I think stylistically, you have a 16-0 fighter versus a 15-2 fighter with a really good 15-2 fighter in um, Bryce Mitchell. Great wrestling. Uh, Mobsar, really great wrestling also. Um, I think think stylistically they're two different i mean i want to say they're completely two different uh fighters but you have someone who's averaging five takedowns per 15 minutes and then someone else who's averaging i think i want to say three takedowns per minute so they're both wrestling styles one's just much more aggressive and a much more high tempo in mobzar and Bryce Mitchell is a little bit more slower pace, and he gets his takedown and he holds you down. I think that's going to be another grappling match. I think it's going to be something that whoever has the best hand standing up wins. And I think Mobzar has a little bit more power compared to um, Bryce to where it's a little bit... Yeah, because like you look at the strikes landed per minute. Mobzar is the two strikes per minute higher than Bryce Mitchell because it's 4.36 to 2.48. But the accuracy is a little bit lower and the defense is a little bit lower for Bryce. Um, So I think it comes down to whoever has the best striking because you have two good grapplers and I just think that Mobsart maybe has a little bit more muscle than Bryce. Maybe Maybe can pull it out based off of muscle. Fair enough, fair enough. Anything else, Chuck? Um, uh, also, people, if you're not following Chuck again, follow him on uh, Twitter, YouTube, um, all social media, especially, again, I say it every podcast, especially during big fights. I understand that some of these fights, the main card starts at 10 o'clock, and depending on how you're watching it, you may fall asleep during a fight, or you may want to take a nap and wake up for the main event. And if you're not able to check like ESPN or stuff right away, go right to Chuck's Twitter. I've done this myself. There have been times where I've taken a quick little nap right before a main event and all that. And I just go to Chuck's Twitter and I get caught up and I am right back in it. I'm telling you, the guy really does a great job of keeping you informed during UFC. I've been doing it for like years now. 
hell, if there's times where I can't watch a UFC thing because I'm at a wedding or something like that, I just go to Chuck's Twitter and follow and just read all of his tweets and put his alerts on. And then I know what's happening in the UFC if I'm telling you. Guy knows his stuff and can uh, commentate it really well. Check out Chuck's Twitter on UFC stuff. Thank you. Thank you. No Chuck, anything else in the UFC world, man? Because I feel like we had a little hot streak with John Jones coming back and then Usman and Asanya's match. Now we got Nunez stuff coming down the pipeline next month. Like, I feel like they're in a really good place right now. We still got to get the finalization deals on this UFC, WWE, Endeavor stuff. But anything else, man? Um, I think it had to a little stale point because there's no, like, it was just back to back to back to back mm-hmm. to back. Everyone was just like, ah. And then it's like this layoff in between. And there's there's some good filler fights. I mean, just last night was Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades, who I think was undefeated until last night. And yeah, he got knocked the fuck out by uh, Sergey. And Sergey was—if you haven't seen the video on Twitter, this man was at the slot machines that morning, just playing at the casino, just sitting there like, <laughs> "Here, I'm cashing in. I'm, I'm gonna put a bet in on myself real quick." Um, and yeah, the man knocked him out in the first round. I mean, I didn't see it coming out of the first round. If you didn't see the the video on Twitter also last night. Um, Fucking Nate Diaz choked out some guy who looked like Logan Paul, and everybody was trying to go crazy, saying, "Oh, he choked out Logan Paul." It wasn't Logan Paul; it just looked like Logan Paul. Um, but he choked out some guy in the street after coming out out of one of those boxing events. Um, it wasn't the Tank Garcia one; it was a different one. Um, Tank versus Garcia, talking combat sports. Um, I had Tank winning by knockout in the seventh round. I didn't place the bet, and I should have <laughs> last night, but. Just didn't have any uh, reach control. I think he didn't. Garcia just doesn't have great distance control. That was a great fight last night. And I had Tank one and ten. Tank's on another level. Face of boxing right there. Under Floyd Money Mayweather's promotion, obviously. So, Francis, be smart. Grab your money. Other stuff in MMA news, though. Holloway versus Allen was April 15th. Holloway took out Allen in a master class of an event. Because Holloway is just a great, he's just a great striker standing up. And that was just a great standing up striking fight. Um, 149 strikes to 80 total strikes. Um, Holloway, I want to see what he does to get back at that title shot against Volkanovski. If you didn't see the video, Volkanovski was just like, hey, stop taking out my fighters at featherweight. Stop taking away my contenders from me. Because you got to think, he's already lost to him, I think, two or three times now. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he doesn't want to go for a fight again because no one wants to see that because you've already lost so many times to him. So it's just like, he's like, I'm just going to pick off the fighters that are going to come up against you next to fight for the title. So I just want to see what happens there and how um, Dana plays that out or what they make him do because you can't just sit around just fighting people. You want to go for something. You want to go for a belt. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what you want wrapped around your waist. That's what you're fighting for. And you got to think he's a very young fighter and he still has a lot of time left in this game. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Agree. But yeah, other stuff in the main news, not much else going on really. Um, just interested to see what happens when the Ultimate Fighter comes out with Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. Um, see how that fight ends up going. Just look out for more fights being booked in the future too. Um, there's a lot going to come down the pipeline here soon. Summer's about to come around the corner, so that's definitely something they're going to start heating up here soon. And can't wait to see how that goes. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Chuck, I was promoting all your stuff, but I didn't even give the tags. So what are your tags, again, to your social media stuff? Pretty much all my tags. So Twitter, Twitch, um, Instagram, Snapchat, all of that's Chuck the Duck MMA. Um, you can all find me there on there. Twitter's Chuck the Duck or Chuck the Ducky, one of the two. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, it's been slow. It's been stagnant. Like I was telling Martin, this has been getting everything situated. PC broke down, got all my stuff cleared out. I just got a new job. So 
had to give up my monitors, so I got to go buy me some actual monitors and stuff. I got to get all my stuff back together so I can start streaming again. Haven't really been gaming that much. Been busy with work and getting everything grinded away. Potentially got a new new job on the horizon here soon. Um, kind of told you guys I interviewed for NASA a long while back, and we'll see how that goes. They have a job offer for me, so just been trying to get all my stuff. I've been a busy man, uh, just grinding away. So trying to get everything situated so I can get back into streaming. Um, usually the 2K and Madden comes out here soon so I can get all that stuff pushed back out again. I want to put out some more content for you guys. It's been like three months since I put up a YouTube video I checked the other day. So I want to get some fresh content for you guys. I want to get some good ideas out there. So definitely reach out to me if you have any ideas based off of anything else you guys seen. Yeah, and um, while he's still on his streaming hiatus, uh, you can also check out his uh, wife's stream, uh, uh, Mrs. Marlowe. She's been stre- she streamed the Resident Evil 4 remake. Um, all of her stuff is on YouTube. Obviously, she completed the game her last stream, so we'll be interested to see what she does next. Chuck, what's your uh, wife's YouTube and uh, Twitch to promote her? Um, you can find her on Twitch at CKM429, as well as on YouTube at CKM429, CKM as in Marlowe. Uh, yeah, so I think next for her, I'm going to kind of give a little sneak peek into what she's doing because she doesn't want to say it. But um, she'll probably be doing, um, I think, what's the game that just came out? Uh, I want to say left, not Left for Dead 2. I think it's Left for Dead 2. Um, she's going to do a walkthrough for that. Uh, or Dead Island 2, sorry. She's going to do a walkthrough for that. Um, so look out for that. That's going to be coming out here soon. We might do a co-op because you can do it online. So that's potentially something we're trying to work on right now. Definitely, definitely. And also, if you want to find them too, especially Chuck, definitely got to get Carly on here. Um, Chuck's YouTube, if you go to the L7C's YouTube and you just click on the homepage, Chuck is our only featured channel. So we're going to see if we can, I might be tingling with that today to see if we can put another featured channel on there and have him in. Oh, I think I can, yeah. So see if I can uh, feature his wife's on here as well. But currently, Chuck is the only feature channel on the L7C. So we'll definitely get uh, Carly's up there as well. And with that being said, thank you, everyone, for listening to the L7C podcast. Make sure you like, rate, comment, subscribe. We'll be back after this uh, UFC event to talk about results and UFC every three weeks or something new. So we'll definitely be back. With that being said, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.